Hello and welcome to the commentary for part three of Red Sands. I'm Fiona Thrale and this is Molly Norton. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. And uh, this we start out as always with Saffron's excellent violin playing. Absolutely. <laughs> and yep, this is starting off with the tapes. Um, and Shane Harris is Jim here talking about Mr. Treskillen for uh, I think the first time we know anything about Treskillen. Yeah, I think he's come up in passing before this, but this is yeah. the first time like we're really getting a rundown on him. Yeah. I thought definitely if I if I ever did do a a sequel to this, then I'd like to use the cassettes more, you know. Um, Fiona, I'm excited. That's the first time you've used the S word. <laughs> yeah. The writing it wouldn't be so difficult. I think it's the finding time to mix it would be the problem. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, there's assistant directors for that kind of thing. Mm, it, it, it is kind of tempting because I kind of enjoyed it, you know. <laughs> and I think I learned a lot, you know, um, through the process. But, uh, so hopefully the second one would be a, an improvement. Well, I'll even make a deal with you. If you if you do a sequel, I'll come out of editing retirement to work on it with you. Oh, cool. Excellent. <laughs> oh, this is getting dangerously close to a possibility now. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. no, that would be Just great. Plant those seeds. <laughs> cool. And where is your delightful partner? And ah, oh, Kenneth Halliday again. Yes, Stephen J. Cohen doing mm -hmm. fantastic job. Yeah, well, how's the panto going? I love his voice. There's just something, you know. Yeah, he's supposed to be this, you know, vaudeville icon, and mm. yeah, he just has something about his voice, the timbre, the way he says his words mm. that just brings that. Doesn't he? It's amazing. <laughs> he's, he's almost exactly as I heard the character. It's one of those, you know, those voices like your one with Carla. It's that there are a few people in this who are just exactly how I heard them, which is kind of weird and kind of cool to find people <laughs> to do that. So. And. Uh, have you seen this morning's paper? Introducing, of course, Daisy, which <laughs> this whole. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, this <laughs> got a bit of company today. Um, <laughs> this whole arc, actually, involving Daisy, um, the arc that I completely took out um, to cut it down to four episodes. In fact, originally it was much, much. Um, more involved, shall we say. Ah, so I actually had a theory about that. Um, yeah. Back in the first commentary, we um, you mentioned that um, Carla had uh, um, love interest originally in the, yeah. the six-parter. Yeah. And at that point, I guessed um, Michael Harris's character, Nick. Yeah. yeah. And um, I have my second guess now, yeah. and my second guess is actually Daisy. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, ah. absolutely. <laughs> yes, I was like, it was, it was... It was vexing me for weeks, and then I realized, you know, we don't actually know if she's straight, and then suddenly it all made sense. Yeah. Well, I wanted to put in um, a sort of a femme fatale, and I did think of a sort of a, what would it be, an homme fatale or something, but um, 
And obviously the detective always falls for the femme fatale. And in fact, when we were... Um, uh, when I put the script to you, because I'd changed it all and I'd taken out all of that stuff completely, and I think you said something like, you know, so why is it that Carla trusts Daisy so completely at the beginning? And it's like, uh, well, well, actually, it's because she fell for. <laughs> but of course, I'd taken all that out, so I had to change it a little bit too. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but it's interesting because when that scene comes up, um, I think the two characters, although I did take that out, it's weird that you're. I think it could still be kind of believable that they do quite like each other from your performances. It's really odd that it's somehow um, worked that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, for my part, I yeah, I only figured this out like a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, so. I got Irene's new groceries you can take. That'll give you a footing. And of course, uh, Carlos Carlos. Now. <laughs> because of Tiff going. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I, I do remember the edit because, um, yeah, just this last episode, she just had her big fight with with Tiffany and so yeah. then to you know with her whole monologue about I can't trust anyone so then to turn around and trust Daisy yes um, <laughs> felt a bit abrupt um, absolutely yeah. um, then um, I think you added in all this stuff about originally she was um, I forget what she was being investigated about but um, it wasn't about Treskillin that was that was one of the changes between the drafts yeah yeah um, it was yeah you know I can't actually remember what we had before that part, but no, there was definitely the the entire arc that I took out included her husband to be Bill, um, and so on, which which yeah just never made it even you know to your desk. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the fiance. Yes, that would have made the love plot especially interesting. <laughs> yes, yes, it was a marriage of convenience. Oh. <laughs> Tell me why I would want to do that. And, and indeed still is. It's just not discussed, I guess, <laughs> in this particular um, you thing. You have so people yeah. lining up to investigate you? Oh, you surprised? <laughs> I've been away. Boarding school, you know. Coming home to the summer halls wasn't enough. I'm an outsider now. Dangerous, eh? But anyway, yes, Melissa Hearn finally finally she makes her appearance. Yes, yeah. I was quite impressed with her British accent. I I was amazed when I first heard these lines. Absolutely, it's it's fantastic. And this is a part that I did write with her in mind again. Um, she was in a sketch that I did. Um, it was some small twip thing, but she did an English accent in that, and it was astonishing. So I kind of <laughs> remembered that and just thought that she would possibly fit this part quite well. And I think she did. Maybe I like the attention. Yeah, that much seems clear. And it does sound like they're sort of having, you know, fun. Prince is a very happily married man with three sons. Friendship. Daddy wants to check out his daughter-in-law. Oh, congratulations. He uh, didn't mention that. I've been talking about um, this show with Melissa, and um, <laughs> she said that um, she was really excited to hear the first two episodes because she only got the last two scripts. Oh, she <laughs> so she knew the end of the story, but not the beginning. <laughs> of course, that's one of the... Uh, 
<laughs> one of the uh, disadvantages. I guess that's maybe it's better to hear the end of a show rather than if you're in the beginning and then you don't come back again, then I guess you don't know what happens at all, you know. At the end. A little, yeah. Sounded like you had a rough time. I found out my father had got caught up in some stuff. Yeah, I think next time, if I did do it again next time, I think I would try to make it a little more um, concise, you know, work on that a bit more. I think it's quite hard because there is a lot of um, exposition anyway in this kind of genre, but uh, I'd like to have tried to make it a little... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little tighter, but you did a great job in that, in doing that. Oh, <laughs> well, it's always kind of hard to, especially if you're starting out with a large story and trying to cut it down. Mm. You know, it's you know, it can get a little complicated in your head. Wait, you know, did I actually take all the bits out, or you know, am I just filling it in in my mind? Fresh pair of eyes can help. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you sounded quite quick to um, to come back for uh, more editing. Are you missing it? Or? <laughs> well, I was actually planning. I, I decided I was actually going to offer you that um, in the last commentary, but you brought it up early, so uh -huh. <laughs> like I kind of felt as as your your co-commentator, I, I had an obligation to the to the fans to to try and talk you into a sequel by the end. <laughs> so I had a master plan. Oh, and I foiled it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I get a sequel out of it, you know, I, I, I consider that a victory, really. <laughs> you see, this is exactly why script editors are so useful for, for plot mess-ups like this. <laughs> stole your thunder. I want to carry out my aunt's wishes, but... The letter was so strange, and I wondered if she was just losing her marbles just before. I don't want Nick to think I'm an idiot. But then you come along and... Well, cue. Dear Mr. Flint, I am writing to inform you that she has been lighting the beacon for Earther's return, and his rock glows okay. like the moon on a clear night. And this is <laughs> this is uh, where you were reading about Earth's Rock, and you said that it kind of <laughs> made you laugh, <laughs> which I hadn't noticed, but you're quite right. <laughs> well, I think it was yeah. I like misread it the first time, and it it took on this sort of lewd. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, mis I misread certain words, and it, yeah. <laughs> rock. I didn't think it was rock. All right. Oh, Daisy, sweetie, I'm sure. All of this. Um, oh, in fact, I'll leave that till till we get there. But uh, we're now coming in with. Uh, Nick, Michael Hudson, and Tiff, Tiffany Brayford. Mm -hmm. um. Tiff, get us a double espresso, will you? <laughs> Whatever you want for yourself, there's a girl. The number of coffees you buy, have you ever He's such a jerk. He really <laughs> is, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I do love the way he's done. It's just kind of deadpan jerkery, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking through my scripts, and I have a, <laughs> I have a note next to one of his monologues that it's just, you know, I want to slap this man. 
Mind you, he probably to him he thinks he's you know an incredibly good guy. You know, if he is or if he isn't is another matter. But so they say. One of those actors in that panto you and Carla went to. Oh my God, Georgie Lord, that's the man who marked Dorota at the fortune teller on the pier. And of course, this is Tiff finding out now about Georgie. Just in time. Mm-hmm. You don't think that's why he killed himself? Did you shop him? Of course not. Carla agreed not to report it. Well then, people don't still top themselves out of shame these days, Tiff. He was mixed up with something he shouldn't have been: coke, gambling, an affair. Of course, this makes three. And poor Tiff's all upset about the dead man, and Nick's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. He does his job if people die, you know, that's the, <laughs> the hard-boiled detective. Yeah. But again, I do wonder, you know, what, because there is that kind of element, isn't there, about being a detective, but what you do does affect how people then continue their lives I guess mm-hmm. I suppose he has just decided not to care about that it's <laughs> probably the easiest way unlike Carla I'll shoulder all responsibility check your contract you don't work with me you work for me the only choice you get to make is to stick with me or to resign happy right good now how about that coffee? Yeah, I think that was the monologue where I had the note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss your car on the night like this, too. Because I remember reading that whole scene at the beginning and being like, I can't imagine why he's seriously considering Tiff as his partner. That seems just so... <laughs> yeah, I'll That would be cooler than he usually is. <laughs> nope, nope. Tricked her. Of course, of course. Yeah. And... Like he says later, you know, he's only he's only fulfilling his promise to look after her, you know, so he probably wouldn't have been hired at all under normal circumstances. Who's playing the policeman here? Yeah, Do you remember? This is Xander Mobus, yes, doing a, a great job here. This was a um, one of those ninja castings, you know. Good <laughs> He had a good policeman oh, sound. <laughs> what the? Okay. And these bells, I believe, come from um, a town in Germany somewhere. I, uh, <laughs> I thought they were rather creepy before I processed them, actually. <laughs> before reverb, they were kind of... Uh, but yeah, this I lived in Germany for a while. Yes, it's full of bells all over the place. Bells <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> this whole um, myth, obviously, I made it up, but it's uh, there are a lot of myths of uh, sunken. There are a lot of sunken towns all around the um, British Isles, and the one in particular that I was thinking of, there's um, a place in Wales that. I now can't remember the name. I actually left a gap here in my notes to find out the name. <laughs> but um, it's a place where there's actually, there are tree stumps on the beach from an old forest um, that have um, all been uh, petrified. And uh, it, oh, cool. there is actually a town under the waves sort of out that got flooded just like that. Uh, and they did say, you know, if you hear the bells... Um, it, it wasn't that anything would happen, but you just heard the bells on quiet nights and so on. So, uh, 
so it always stuck with me somehow. It's a bit kind of <laughs> odd. <laughs> and here we have Philip Weber. Yes. <laughs> Doing a wonderful job as Griff. <laughs> Actually, a criticism I had, which I should have addressed in the scripts and I meant to, was um, how come there were so many Americans washing up in Midsand? <laughs> originally, um, the, the whole reason was there was a naval base there, you know? Um, oh, but I never okay. put it in the scripts very stupidly. And so, yeah, I apologize to uh, any listeners or listener. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's why there are so many people who are American. Um, there was thought behind it, honest. <laughs> and also because there's so much um, great American talent as well um, in the audio drama world. And this is Scott D. Harris's Dicer, uh, which has a, I think I, I wrote something originally on the description um, as being quite a weaselly man, and I think he got that's quite a weaselly voice. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> He's got it down brilliantly. <laughs> So do you know, is he related to Shane Harris, or is that just a coincidence? No, it's a, it's a coincidence, because I think uh, Scott D. Harris is actually from the East End, so, um, of London, sorry, um, UK. <laughs> uh -huh. So, uh, no, no, I don't think they're, I don't know, could be distant cousins or something, I'm not sure. <laughs> Tell us, let us know. Like Romeo and Juliet. Their families weren't at war as such. Still, they had a healthy distrust of each other, it seems. It's one of the convenient plot devices to have this, you know, museum curator because, you know, large amounts of historical exposition <laughs> makes sense then. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, am I giving away the tricks? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, although he does come to play a bigger part in the next episode as well. Hour by hour, the water Although he does do a fine job of it, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The church bells to appease the Lord himself. I was surprised he was actually using two different accents. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> show off. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've heard his um, TWIP interview, he is just a man of multiple accents. He's quite uh, astonishing <laughs> with his voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love this folksy Texan thing he's doing. Yes, it's brilliant, and it, it kind of fits the character very well, I think, as well. So. Yes, another another actor who does a lot of um, accents very well is Perry Whittle. He, he's one of those uh, few actors who does more than one British accent, <laughs> which is very impressive. Excellent. I'm still working on any British accent. <laughs> someday, someday. Oh well, you never know. If there is a sequel, I'll make sure Carla gets a chance to go undercover. <laughs> there you go, there you go. We can <laughs> and then blow her cover with her terrible British accent. <laughs> it's like, yes, no one was fooled. We just all played along. <laughs> And as a guy who runs a smuggling museum, you're not convinced either. 
Oldest trick in the book keeps the curious away from the smuggling action. But I heard those bells last night, and Earther's Rock lit up. So, what, I'm doomed to die now? Sure, those tales are just tales, but the danger behind them is real. Oh, little piece of trivia from earlier in the scene. Um, In the script, it actually says, um, when they introduce each other, um, or introduce themselves to each other, it says, um, I'm from, and then fill in the blank with the actor's accent, um, origin here. So, yes, I am actually from Michigan. Um, Actually, a small town called Port Huron. Um, but, you know, yeah, if I were in the U.K., I'd say Detroit, because no one's heard of Port Huron. Nice to have that truthfulness in the production, you know? Well, and I got the Midwestern nasal thing going. And this is the warehouse scene with... Oh, uh, Lord, the warehouse scene. (laughs) (laughs) Spudsy's Periwittle. Um, We've Mm -hmm. got Audio Alan making her first uh, debut in the flesh as Sally. Oh, right, right. Because she she was on the phone last one. What the hell are you doing here? But now you get to see her in full Technicolor. (laughs) (laughs) And Dicer is Scott G. Harris and... Oh, and Marley, as Carla, <laughs> and Tiffany Grayford. Oh, and I remember we had several emails about this whole hen party angel wing thing. Oh, yes, because <laughs> it, it's not a, a tradition in the States, I take it. No, no. Um, well, not in the way it is in the UK. I mean, I suppose you might dress up funny, but um, you don't see people wearing angel wings everywhere and immediately think, oh, that means they were at a bachelorette party the way it seems to be in the UK. <laughs> right, yeah, no, you're, you're likely to get a whole crowd of uh, of women in angel wings and uh, little devil horns and L plates and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Tottering around uh, quite merrily. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what I'd think if I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I I sent you a link to a website to prove that this thing existed, (laughs) where you can actually buy kind of 12-piece party packs of angel wings. (laughs) Angel wings. For you and your mates, yeah. (laughs) That's it. And, of course, Tiff is in a drunken state, which is pretty much her default. Uh Uh-huh. And I remember initially, I wasn't even sure which, um, whose engagement party it was. Um, it's like, oh, wait, was this Tiff? Did she just get engaged to Dale? Did I miss something? <laughs> no, just a friend. <laughs> okay, okay. I love how Spudsy can't chop ice and talk at the same time. <laughs> yes. And again, I think, uh, yeah, Perry Whittle did a great job of Spudsy. I love that voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and quite a bit of um, ad-libbing. What's it going to be, Stonehenge? What detail? 
Owing to some technical difficulties we were having, I'm afraid some of the conversations were missing, but I can fill that with a piece of trivia. The um, sound of Spudsy hitting the ice was made with a big serrated knife and the freezer compartment, uh, which is hugely, hugely frosted over. And now back to the commentary. Yet more signs that Nick ha- really has dated every woman in town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fine. Here's your cash. Now, where's my share? All except Carla. I'm your best customer, chicken. Being bad or not, maybe. <laughs> and he even calls um, Sally chicken. Yeah. Can't dive down that. You can. Unless you want a free pier tonight. I love just envisioning this whole thing with the, you know, the fish warehouse, the blocks of ice with the drugs in it, and <laughs> them hiding up somewhere with Tiffany in a in heels and angel wings, <laughs> trying to get away. Tiffany. <laughs> yes, it was um one thing. Uh, picturing it in my mind and then it was quite another trying to put that into some kind of audio format to get the idea of the space so um hope it works and oh yeah this is the knickerbocker glory scene yeah (laughs) so it's a it's a sunday with sparklers in it yeah it's kind of um mixed different flavors of ice cream lots of different flavors of ice cream with cream in between and um often fruit i think as well and then cream on top Oh, this isn't something you just made up? Oh, no, no, Knickerbocker Glory exists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was um, it was the absolute dread. I'd, when I was a student, I worked in an ice cream parlor, and <laughs> it was the absolute dread of the first thing on in the morning, so at 7 o'clock, and someone would come in for a Knickerbocker Glory. And if you were slightly hungover, you know, the, <laughs> the thought of going there trying to produce this thing was quite horrendous and of course here Carla's lying to protect Daisy now help me eat this monstrosity you need to get back and tend to Irene and what thrilling undercover investigation are you doing now wow this scene seems so much more flirty now that I know <laughs> Well, that was one of the funny oh things no, that um, that actually uh, Melissa, in one of her takes, she she suddenly said afterwards, "Oh God, sorry, that was far too flirty." <laughs> I thought, That's weird. Why would he even know that it would have? Because originally it was, you know. But it, mm-hmm. yeah, I I did try to make it not, um, but it obviously just still came through a bit. I don't want to hear about but then I'm afraid I went ahead and used that line anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Melissa. <laughs> it's okay. They can still flirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Do need to talk. You're almost up to speed with your computer skills now. And actually, I've just knocked my um my copy, so I'm not quite sure where we are. But have we come to Nick and Tiff yet? <laughs> yes, we have. And Carla just entered. Marvellous, okay. <laughs> and Tiff's been sent for biscuits. Splendid. What is it then? Poor Tiff. Carla's in the process of chewing out Nick. Yes. And this had a lot of ad-libs in it as well. 
who is now the wife of... You know, I need to reread this because I really just don't remember. <laughs> My favorite, I think, was uh, he says, I'll, I'll be professional. And you <laughs> say, that, yeah, but a professional what? Which I thought was great, and so I put that in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just made her that little bit extra um, <laughs> sassy, <laughs> if that's the right word. You know, they do mics the size of buttons these days. You should invest. You don't want a criminal to catch you with a bloody great dictaphone in your pocket. Oh, so you're not a criminal. Oh. You better hope not, hey? I love the fact that she had a tape recorder in her pocket, too. <laughs> Okay, so just forgetting her keys and overhearing quite how nasty Nick is. And their charming little yelling fight. Yes. I thought you bounced off well here actually it did actually sound like you were fighting it was nice <laughs> and of course this phone call to Sally Treskillin sets off the whole episode four um, which I think actually you asked for episode four at the same time as this script after reading yes, the script because they just flowed together so nicely um, and you know it's really picking up the Treskillin plot yeah yeah, absolutely. What a gentleman you are. Yes, I am. I promised to look after, and I have. All and he will turn up in the next oh, episode. I'm so sorry about that, but how With a fantastic <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah, it's like sort of the, the waiting for Godot thing. Triskelin finally shows up after we've been talking about him for three episodes. Exactly. I did almost consider actually not having him in it at all, you know, just just having them, <laughs> all, all the characters responding to him, but not having him there. But Heroin, appropriate choice of words. Because you know why Earthers Rock lights up? Light reflected from that same warehouse entrance hidden by the cliff. The bells are signaling the boats, smuggling in drugs. Nothing ghostly about any of it. Well, now you've gone and sucked all the romance out of the story, what do you plan to do about it? Triskilling killed Uncle Jim. Did you know that? So, you did find that. And there we go. So then why are you mixed up with him? Quite how big this really does go is another matter, because <laughs> Nick is always rather fond of himself and his abilities. <laughs> I guess it is. Technically, it is international crime. Well, and he's got a bit to brag about. You know, we like to play up what a jerk he is, but, you know, he is kind of trying to do good, so... <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, he's got his own morality going on. I get it. So, you're some big time undercover agent who's gonna bust an international. I like the way you say this, that it's. Quite amusing. You don't believe me. And actually, this, I have to say, because this, right from the beginning of episode one, I knew, obviously, that Jim was going to turn up in this, and I really wasn't sure. I don't know. 
I'm still not sure if it really works, you know, because it's, it's kind of, is it a really cliched thing to do, you know? And oh. I kind of liked it because um, it's playing around well, with the convention of having the the narrator, you know, the narrator from the dead, the, the ghost voice, and then, you know, mm. you know, I also kind of feel like, yeah, the framing, the framing soliloquies, you know, were sort of this part of the film noir genre, you know, this detective story. So to actually have mm. him show up, I thought was nice. Yeah. I just remember reading it was in someone's blog and they wrote something like um, there's nothing more tacky than when someone who's <laughs> dead turns up alive <laughs> and it was just as I'd written it and I'd sent off the scripts to you and I just sat there thinking oh no <laughs> well yeah sometimes you just gotta do it <laughs> why oh well why not <laughs> brilliant so that's the end of um, episode three thank you very much for Listening, <laughs> two listeners out there. Commentaries. <laughs> right then, and we'll see you again for episode four. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Bye.